Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to Natureback Podcast, where we are speaking with entrepreneurs and investors about the green future. My name is Tarmo Virki, and today my guest is Simo Ellila. Welcome, Simo. Thanks, Tarmo. Great to be here. Tell us what is Pekilo. Well, Pekilo is um, it's a mycoprotein. So essentially, it's uh, derived from fermentation of, of fungi. So we produce a whole, whole fungal biomass through fermentation, dry it into a powder, and then you can use it just like you would any conventional plant protein, like soy protein or pea protein. How, and you have built a company around it. How did it all begin? Um, yeah, so we're a rather unique biotech startup in the sense that, I mean, we're, we're a three-year-old company at this point, but, uh, but the technology has a long history, actually more than 50 years. So um, I'm, I'm such a lazy innovator that, that I just decided to take a, an existing idea and try to repurpose that in, 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 instead of uh, reinventing the wheel. So basically, the, the roots of Pekila and the whole Pekila fermentation process go back way back to all, all the way to the 1960s. We're, we're of course, a, a company based in Finland. And um, in Finland, one of the major parts of our economy is the forest sector. Uh, we have some of the world-leading pulp and paper companies, a lot of pulp and paper plants. And um, back in the day, these companies uh, used to have an issue. They used to produce a, a byproduct uh, known as spent sulfide liquor. In the 1960s, uh, they used to used to still dump this uh, side stream into, into lakes and rivers. And that, of course, caused a lot of... Uh, uh, eutrophication in the in the waterways, and that was not um, acceptable anymore. And they they had to find ways how to how to treat this byproduct. So, um, so there was a long there was a big uh, R and D drive. Uh, the scientists realized that if you leave this stuff lying on the lab bench, what happens? Fungi start to grow. Um, so fungi are are nature's recyclers. They're rather remarkable in being able to to degrade just about anything and um, so that was kind of the where it all began. They started researching, like, could they use fungi to to treat this water, essentially? So, so the process was originally developed, first and foremost, to to treat uh, industrial by, byproduct stream, and the protein per se was just, you know, you could say it's it was a byproduct of, or it was a that that was the secondary thing, like you were producing something new. And uh, yeah, it was 12 years in R&D, scale-up, piloting, the usual that goes into developing a tech, uh, in, in, the, in industrial tech. Um, and then they went so far that in 1975, they built 
the first industrial scale production plant where they produced up to 10,000 tons of this stuff a year uh, from spent sulfide liquor. And uh, the product was sold to pigs and chicken in, in the Finnish feed market. So um, there was, of course, a lot of research first on the safety of, of the product, uh, a lot of animal testing before it was approved. Um, and then we had, then we had uh, 15 years of industrial operation. So we actually have two Pekilo factories in Finland back in those days. Um, so it was quite a unique innovation, I have to say. Like, how did Finnish paper engineers come up with this? Nothing like it uh, had been done before and hasn't really been done since. I mean, there's a lot of companies nowadays making microprotein, but the, the concept is quite different. They they grow fungal biomass normally on, on sugar, and then they kind of make this kind of wet product that they would freeze and try to sell through, through, through the supermarket chains to, uh, to consumers. But the Becula process is really a biorefining process. How do you take an industrial side stream and, and do something with that? So it was a really unique innovation. And... Uh, and uh, unfortunately, they, they stopped uh, producing it in the early 90s. I don't know why. Was it the Finnish Great Economic Recession? or? Yeah, that played a part. Um, the acute reason was that the paper industry's chemistry changed, essentially. They were not, no longer producing the side stream. So there was no more raw material to, to produce specula. Um, but then, yes, also the engineering company that that had built these factories went bankrupt in the in the in the Great Depression in Finland in the early nineties. Uh, so yeah, that kind of just you know shelved the whole thing, and, and it was it was very effectively forgotten because uh, myself and my co-founders were you know born in the eighties, and and we we studied biotech in Finland, and we had never heard of this thing, and and well we we came across it in in two thousand sixteen seventeen around that time. And uh, yeah, we, we just found it absolutely fascinating, this, this uh, history, and, um, and started picking up everything we could about it. Um, and it's been really interesting, um, detective work, trying to find all the documentation that, that's still out there in, in different places and, and contacting these people, these, these, these people who are like in their 70s, but many of them surprisingly sharp still and and you know trying to get all, all the information you can about the old, old process and so that that was basically the idea we we the basic idea was okay let's try to revive this process it's uh it's a it's a unique innovation there's still a lot of know-how um and then we were crunching the numbers because we re, we were really focused since the beginning that this has to be profitable this has to be a good business um and what we quickly saw is that um well, doing what they did back in the day and selling this to pigs and chicken is is not a really good business. So, um, and also not necessarily the most future proof option. So we we realized that we have to go, have to try and go to a higher value market. Um, so that was one part of the equation. And then the other one was that obviously the raw material had run out from the finished pulp and paper sector. So we needed to find other inputs. So, so that was how we got going. Essentially, we we started figuring out, okay, what can we use as input in this process and which market should we start targeting um, in terms of wh where we could where we could make this, this really profitable. And that's what we've been doing the past couple of years, essentially. We've been uh, optimizing the process on lots of different industrial byproducts. Yeah, still from the forest industry, there are some plants that produce something suitable, uh, but a big focus has been on the biofuels industry, 
Um, so that's where my own background is. I used to work with the bioethanol industry um, in Brazil and, and actually also in Finland. And um, I knew that there would be lots of suitable side streams from, from that industry and, and also from the food, like general food and ag industry. There are several raw material streams that you can use in this process. And then we've been optimizing the process for these different inputs and seeing that we can get a stable uh, quality of out, uh, vecular protein produced and, and then looking at what are the best applications. Actually, we've been kind of tailoring the product also for specific applications. So one is uh, aquaculture. So fish feed, primarily salmon. There's um, salmon are, are carnivores. So so um, unlike pigs and chicken, which eat just about anything. So the salmon feed is, is quite a lot more. The quality requirements are a lot higher and the values is a lot higher than than in these other feed types. So that's, that's what may been a big motivator. So there we partnered up with uh, an industry-leading company called Scrapping. And uh, yeah, we've got great results. The fish, actually, just a couple of weeks back, we were able to release results from Norway that show that the salmon actually grew better eating our, our peculiar microprotein than, than soy, uh, which they're fed quite a lot these days. Um, the fish grew better, they were healthier, so it, it looks really promising. Uh, then the other... A higher, higher value sector is pet food. So there we've been testing it with cats and dogs. That's also been been, been promising. Um, the, the animals really have, have liked the product. And those space, those sectors we can we could access today from a regulatory perspective because why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What about um, humans? Is that a regulatory challenge? or? Correct. Yeah. So today we could sell to to these higher value animal nutrition segments, aquafeed and pet food, because our product is now on the European Union's feed material catalog. Essentially, we just we went to the European regulators, told them like, look, here's a product. This was sold for 15 years. Here's all the data. It's safe and uh, for animals. And and uh, and that was that was it. It was really fast uh, getting it getting it in there. But for human consumption, it's a different story, right? Um, in in Europe, Europe is no, notorious for, for, for the stringency of, of food regulation. And, and uh, but we are planning to enter that space as well. So we had to modify the process a bit. We have to pay more attention to what kind of byproducts we would use. We're currently working, for instance, with the, with, with the dairy industry. One of our owners is Valio, the local dairy company in Finland. And and they have tons of like lactose from from their dairy operations. Um, it's actually really high quality. It's really it's food grade completely, um, but it doesn't it's not put to good use today. So so we've been working on upcycling that into a food grade product. The uh, the process has required some tweaking to to also get it to to food grade spec, but we've done that. And um, yeah, hopefully within within the next um, say four or five months, we're we're planning to file for for that regulatory approval also for human use. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. 
However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I mean, classically, the uh, the challenge of the, you know, the products or the innovations which come from the laboratory is the com- commercialization. How has it gone for you guys? I mean, you're coming from the VTT, which is, how, how do you describe VTT? A great research institution of Finland or... Yeah, it's a national lab similar to, I guess, yeah, in, in many countries you have national labs. But, but kind of taking their kind of the research to the market, uh, I understand that, you know, history has helped you guys a little bit, but today you still have to find the kind of new consumers to this. Correct, yeah. Um, well, in animal nutrition, it's uh, it's rather straightforward. I mean... These the volumes of, of protein going into aquaculture and pet food they're they're huge and they're the companies are really looking for alternatives um, that are more sustainable but but in general they just need more new sources of protein because those those sectors are growing fast and protein production is not really keeping up so they're they're just yeah eager to find new sources of protein and and of course they want to do their tests I mean with with scratching it took us like what would I say. Uh, well, well over two years, two and a half or three years to to go through all the the testing they wanted to be sure that it it works as as they would like it and it would work in their factories and so on. But but from that point on, it's it's just you know being able to deliver and being able to deliver at a price point that makes it viable for them. Mm-hmm. Um, in the human space, well, we're still looking at well, frankly, we don't know. There's the whole aspect of consumer acceptance. The the food companies seem really eager. Um, uh, so we've, we've, we've been surprised at how eager food companies have been to trial our product, even though we, we flag early on that, you know, it's not, it doesn't have regulatory approval yet, but still people are really excited to test it and, and, and be ready for whenever that regulatory approval is, uh, is there. How is the process working? Do you have your own big factory these days? Have you set up one of those old factories that the, those spaces could be could be empty these days, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, actually, currently we only have a pilot line. Um, mm-hmm. And the old factories, one was completely decommissioned. Uh, and the factory building was actually turned into an art space, which is quite nice if you're oh, ever in yeah. Uh And the other one was sold to an enzyme company. And so the equipment is, is still there after 50 years. It's working, but um, it's in other use. Uh, so we have to start from scratch on the production. Um, we we have a pilot line. We raised 10 million in March, and we're currently designing our first larger scale factory. But that will still take, um, I would say, about two years to to get to get um, built. Somewhere in Finland, I assume. Yeah, we hope to be able to announce before Christmas where that okay. would be. Cool, that's soon already. Yeah. The the company today, you raised money earlier in the year. How many people you ha- have these days? 
I'm, I'm losing track. So we were five co-founders uh, back in 2020. Uh, we grew very slowly, hiring a few people. We were up to 10 when we raised the funding round in March. And now we're up to about 20 people, um, give or take. Okay. Uh, still all, all in Finland or? Yeah, all in Finland for now. Okay. The um, What's the kind of... I mean, one side is, of course, that, you know, starting to work on the possibly human use of the protein. But uh, but from the other side, what are the next milestones for you guys? One is the putting up the factory, clearly, of course. Anything else which is in the card, what are you, what are, you know, keeping up in the night? or? Yeah, I mean, the two big things that we raised the money for was was uh, getting this foot approval and then starting to design a factory. So those are those are the big, big things. But but we are also working on several cases where uh, other companies would like to use our technology. So companies who have large volumes of byproduct streams um, where it would then be more of a, let's say, licensing or, or joint venture play rather than us building our, our own plant. So we have a lot of those in the works at different stages. So those are also taking quite a lot of our time. I assume licensing is uh, especially more complex processes than it becomes rather you know, time-consuming, I would expect. Yeah. From the growth side, I mean, now in Finland, setting up the, working on a factory, when will you be, you know, when will you grow out of Finland? That's a good question. Well, it, as as mentioned, if um, if somebody decides to license this or, or we form a joint venture, it might be sooner than than you think but uh but the the reality is that this this first factory will serve several purposes it's close to our r&d and it's going to be you could say that it, it will be very integrally a part of our our future r&d but but after that we have to move out of finland just because of the market size i mean our market in in terms of food products in terms of pet food everything is, is too small so so basically after that we have to go go abroad and then looking at priorities it's um I would say it's really Europe and, and the U.S. in the in the short term. Also, of course, um, in the food space, a lot of people are going to Singapore. That's something we're we're looking at because of the patients. Um, yeah, exactly. So they're very welcoming to food tech and and try to make the um, the approval process as smooth as possible for new food products. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What, what could we do in Europe to fix this challenge? I'll have to try and be politically correct here, but uh, <laughs> no, but, no need. I'm sure nobody from your Brussels will listen. <laughs> well, 
there's there's been quite a lot of frustration with with EFSAM, uh, the European Food Safety Authority. Um, the um, we actually in Finland we were we were fight, originally fighting to get it to be in Finland. We lost that battle to the Italians. Uh, Berlusconi pushed hard and and got it to go to Parma. Um, I don't want to say that that influence is there <laughs> how they work, but um, but the the problem. I mean, we we've got to know some people. Uh, we are working with a lot of consultants and and also have a few chats directly with the EFSA people. And I I personally think it's it's a bureaucratic problem. Um, so the scientists at EFSA, I'm sure they're very qualified. They're very they're very. Um, I mean, they're thorough. That's great. That that's fine. But it's it's just about getting a transparent, simple to understand process in place that everybody can navigate. It's it feels like you know they're they've been shifting the goalposts all the time, and and the applicants are just really confused about how the process goes, and and then then yeah, just they, they seem to be very um, focused on 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 the bureaucra- bureaucracy rather than the science behind the safety. So. Nothing wrong with Italians, but I do have to share a good story from a friend of mine from it, who was in Italy doing a passport renewal or the visa renewal or something like that. And he was telling how he was uh, standing in the really, really hot uh, office space for three hours in a queue. And when he got to the counter and presented his documents, he was told by the clerk, take the next counter, please. This is not for you. And when he started to yell at the clerk, the clerk said, we have run this country for a thousand years. We know how it's done. <laughs> yes. And, uh, well, of course, it's a European body, EFSA, but uh, the pronunciation the, the pronunciations from the Italian government have not been very encouraging. They've been saying that they want to ban lab-grown meat and all kinds of innovations. Like, there's, you don't need to innovate in food. Exactly. In in pizza, there is no one pineapple, man. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had an Italian colleague at BTT, and and he he once nicely said that you cannot have uh, food tech in Italia because, <laughs> because I mean, what if don't fix it if it ain't broken? Nobody can say that Italian food is bad. Exactly. Exactly. That that's how it works. Um, any positive notes to wrap this discussion up i think the the stuff you guys are doing is definitely amazing um well i well something that's been been highlighted of course a lot recently is is the uh the, the state of the dc market and and i guess especially on the on the alternative proteins and and i'm just uh, it's going to be very interesting to see see going forward how things develop because uh alternative proteins there's been a lot of a lot of discussion online. Um, there's been calculations that an investment in alternative proteins is has more than ten times the impact of investments in in uh, let's say electric cars or whatever. But um, but the space is it's, it is in a tough tough spot. I mean, uh, I think a lot of investors got burned and and are moving have moved along. But uh, the drivers are so clear why we need these alternative proteins that uh, it's going to be really interesting to see when this turns again and, and people realize that we, they need to be pushing here. And, and uh, yeah, a lot of, I, I actually just wrote an opinion piece on this as well. And, and you know, I think governments have done a great job at, at um, supporting basic research in Finland and in Europe and in the US and enabling these startups to grow. But there needs to be a lot more effort from the government to 
to get these things to go mainstream. And that's, it, it's not just about promoting and subsidizing these new products, but it's, it's looking at the, the playing field. Like there's the agricultural industry is so subsidized and so geared towards the incumbents that, that, you know, something, something has to give if we want to really make a sustainable leap in this, in the food chain. Exactly. Making the sustainability leap in the food chain. That's a good headline for this podcast episode also. Yeah. Good. Thanks, Simo, for your time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It was, uh, it was great to talk to you. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.